Great to see you here this morning. Those of you here for the first time, uh, we wanna extend an ex- extra special welcome to you. We like to say to our first time guests, we've been expecting you. And not in a high school principal kind of way. Hmm, Mr. May, I've been expecting you. But in a, hey, great to have you here. We've been expecting you. And everything we do uh, is focused outwards to uh, see more and more people be introduced to Jesus. And uh, you've chosen a great month to be here. If you've been here the last two weeks, you already know that. But even if you're just joining us this morning, we're in a series and we're trying to start 2018 right with a series we've called How to Get What You Really Want. Because many of us, and it's fine, it's good, go into a new year with New Year's resolutions, which ultimately are new you resolutions. And they're really formed around the fact that we want and the motivation that we want 2018 to be better, better than 2017. Some parts of it, or even maybe the whole thing. I just like everything to be better about 2018. 2017 sucked. And so we've asked the question the first week, 7th of January, what do you want? And it seems like an obvious question to ask going into a new year. Seems like a safe question to ask going into a new year. But the problem with this question, what do you want, is it's actually quite tricky. And the reason it's tricky is some of you, and and I know that this is true for me, we've actually gotten what we wanted in some point in our life only to have discovered that it wasn't what we really wanted. Some of you wanted a who and the who you got wasn't actually the who you really wanted. And that didn't go so well for you. Some of you wanted a particular job and you ended up getting that job only to discover once you were into that job that it actually wasn't the job that you really wanted. Some of you spent money buying something that you wanted and you don't use it anymore. You discovered that it wasn't what you really wanted. So last week we actually progressed the conversation, not just asking what do you want, but actually looking behind the surface of our, of our wants and our choices, asking the question, what do you value? Because we'll never actually get what we really want until we understand what it is we actually value. Value, it's a, it's a word, it simply means what's important. And what you value is on the top of your list and what you value drives your decisions. So it's important to understand and calibrate at the beginning of a year what it is that you actually value. But even this question is problematic because what we naturally want is poised constantly in a wrestling match with what we ultimately value. And last week we highlighted something that Paul wrote. Paul was one of the early church leaders and uh, he was one of the best of the best. And yet he said what I think every single one of us have experienced on at least once, but often more than one occasion. And he said about himself, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, the good things, the better things, uh, I do not do. But what I hate, the lesser things, the things that get me in trouble, the things that cause my life to be complicated, those are the things I end up doing. And so I wanna progress this conversation this morning. And and, and I want you to imagine that you're gonna die in three years time. 
Okay, no, that didn't come out right. Uh, no, okay, I don't want you to imagine that. Uh, let's just say hypothetically you were to die in three years' time. What I want you to imagine is, is what people are gonna say about you, the eulogies. What, what, what is it that your spouse is gonna say about you at your funeral? And is your spouse gonna say what you would want them to say about you in three years' time? What would your son say? What would your daughter say? What would your colleague say? What, when, when, when the people get up to say things about you at your funeral, I want you to imagine what they might say, but, but actually, I want, I want you to actually imagine what, what would you like them to say? This is why I'm giving you three, a three-year jump start on this. Because what they might say now isn't what you want them to say, and so you've got three years to work on this, all right? I've given you the tip. But here's the thing. What you want them to say is ultimately a, a, a snapshot of what you value. Now, if you value God doing stuff for you, and that's the level of your wish list before God, your 2018 God, if this could happen, I want you to do these things for me. If that's the extent of what you want, then in three years time, what people are gonna say about you at your funeral is uh, uh, he had a really nice car or uh, she lived in a really nice house. The end, let's have cake. You can have, you can, you can, we can ask God for stuff and, and, and it's not all bad, but it's, there's more, there's, there's better, there's something beyond that. And, and, and so I would encourage you to be asking questions that are around your character. You would want people to say of you at your funeral that you were incredibly generous, that you were someone who was dependable, that you were someone who was honest. You were someone that, that did what you said you were gonna do. These are about character. These are about saying to God as we go into 2018, God, here's some things I want you to do in me, not just for me, I want you to start shaping things in me, my character. And so in three years time, when the people closest to me stand and say things about me, I want them to speak well of my character. That's valuable to me. Here's the thing, it doesn't just end there. There's an even better, again, not all bad, this very good, then even better at the highest level. You can be saying to, to God, I want you to do some things through me. And if that's a value that you place, if that's important to you, then people will stand up at your funeral and they will say things like that uh, she invested her time into me when, when, when I was down and, 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 and her friendship and her loyalty and her encouragement got me through that season of my life. That, 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 that he was incredibly generous with his words. He never said anything bad to me or about me. He only spoke well of me and he constantly encouraged me. And that helped elevate the status of my life. These are the things that we can be asking God going into 2018. I want you to do some things through me. And these form our legacy. Things, character, Legacy. 
But ultimately what you're gonna spit out at the other end is, is what your answers are point to what you value. So this question is what do you value? It, it, it's actually not complicated if you do this exercise. Now I've done this exercise. I've imagined that I'm gonna die in 50 years time, not three. I figured I need a little bit of time to get stuff together. But I've actually done this exercise and I've distilled it down to six or seven things. And this is what I'd encourage you to do because you go, I'd like them to say that I always had my hair done nicely. I'd like them to say that my shoes were always shiny and white. Now, what, did, what are the six or seven most valuable things that you'd want people to say about you, the closest people, the people that know you the best? about you at your funeral. And here's, here's one of mine. I'm not gonna go through all because you gotta do this work yourself. It's flipping hard work. <laughs> I want one of the six things that people say about me at my funeral is Mark had integrity. That's one of my top six. That, that, that when I'm being thrown in the compost, that people are saying Mark had integrity. And here's the thing. It's not just enough to identify what you value. That's an important starting point. Identify what you value, make that list. That list then, however, needs to inform our behaviours. Because if it doesn't, then it's not a list of values, it's simply a wish list. So if I say to you, one of the most things I value the most is that people would think of me and people's experience doing life with me is that I'm someone who, who, who is someone that has integrity, then I need to actually shape my behaviours to reflect to other people that integrity is incredibly valuable to me. So here's some examples of what that looks like for me. When I make decisions, I need, and, and this is, true in leadership, but it's just true in life. It's true in marriage, it's true in parenting, it's true in the workplace, it's, it's true in life. That, that when I make decisions, I need to make sure that I'm not the primary object of my decision-making, that I'm not putting myself and my motivations and my outcomes and my needs first, because that's not integrous, that's selfish. I need, I need to make sure that I don't intentionally manipulate people. And, and I used to. <laughs> And then it became valuable to me to be someone of integrity. So I had to stop intentionally manipulating people and start treating people with integrity or else it's just a wish list. One of the main reasons I don't do and I don't like sarcasm is when you're sarcastic with people, there's a splinter left with them saying, I wonder what he really meant by that. That's not integrity. Integrity is, let, let me tell you this, and, and the people that know me, you can ask them, and so maybe you can, they'll call me call BS on this, but, but when I'm talking with you, you'll know exactly what I mean. At all times, at all levels, because I just, that's, but, but I had to shape, I used to be incredibly sarcastic. And when I say used to be, I'm, I'm not talking, I'm talking in a relatively recent past, maybe 10, 12 years ago, and I had to actually start to reshape how I use words because I identified that integrity was a value. Otherwise, it's just a wish. 
that Mark's yes is yes and his no is no. When he says he's gonna do something, he'll do it. If he says he's gonna be there, he'll be there. If he says he's gonna do something for you, he'll do it for you. If, 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 this is even in the church setting. Someone tells me something, asks me to pray for them, and I say, yeah, I'll pray for them. If I know I'm not gonna pray for them, I'll actually say, no, I'm not gonna pray for you. And I'll explain why, but, but I'm not, oh yeah, brother, oh yeah, sister, I'll pray for you, and they never do. That's not integrity. It's a bit of a conversation stopper when you tell someone you're not gonna pray for them, but you know, it's another story right there. I, 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 I want people to know that I don't cut corners. I want the tax department to know that I don't cut corners. I want, I want God to know when I give my first 10% that I don't cut corners. It wasn't 9.73% that I'm giving God my first and my best. I wanna be someone and, and had to become someone that owns my mistakes. I used to deflect blame. I had a very outrageous case of blamatitis. I could never do anything wrong. And if I occasionally did, it was always somebody else's fault. Oh, if you knew the, the, how I was brought up. Oh, if you knew, if you knew, if I, oh yeah, but that's because... <clears throat> I had to learn this, and this is, a, this is a good one, married people, you need to write this one down. I had to learn to apologize without conditions. I'm really sorry, but, no, 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 no. You, you missed where the full stop should be at the end of sorry. I'm really sorry, full stop, please forgive me. Because when you make conditional apologies, it take, completely takes the wind out of the apology. Sometimes makes it worse. Little, little somebody to throw in your toolbox that I've had to put in my toolbox of integrity, trying to do all these things. And I'm not perfect, I'm trying to do all these things. Here's a little bit to throw in your toolbox. There's reasons why some of you do the things you do. And it's important, often important for you to communicate the why behind the what, the motivation behind the action, especially when there's misunderstanding. But don't blend that into an apology. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry, but here's what you do. Say, I'm sorry, would you mind if I give you an explanation, though understand it's not an excuse. What I did was wrong, full stop, but would it help for future reference to rebuild trust for me to give you an explanation? An explanation, but it's not an excuse. You like that? And I know you like it because you would want other people to do that to you, but you can own that and you can add that. And this, so this is just examples of how by, by, by un, uh, identifying what you value and then actually backing that up with shaping your behaviour, then you're <laughs> more guaranteed people will, will actually say that about you at your funeral, whatever your top six or seven things are. Now, I need to let you in on a little secret. Well, it's actually not a little secret. It's actually a pretty big secret. You guys keep secrets, right? All right. All right, here goes. This is tough. Okay. I'm not perfect. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Like as shocking as it is for me to say that, it's obviously very shocking for you to hear that because there's so very little evidence to, to confirm that that's true, but I'm not perfect. In fact, when I think about not being perfect, it reminds me of my dad's favorite song when I was a teenager. My dad uh, had uh, two, uh, 
I guess you call them bouts or whatever you call of clinical depression where he was hospitalized for many months at a time. And part of his rehab that was counseling, part of his rehab was, was some medication. One of the things in the second, after his second uh, time of, of hospitalization for clinical depression, the counselor actually, uh, as part of his therapy, got him listening to country music. And so this was back in the day of cassette tapes. And so my dad had rows and rows and rows of cassette tapes. And, and at home, morning, noon and night would be, would be country music. And I'm thinking to myself, he's depressed. And he's listening to songs that are about, I lost my dog, I crashed my pickup truck, uh, I lost, my wife left me. And I'm like, this music is so depressing. How in the world that someone is, who's depressed, how is this therapy? And, and then it dawned on me. When you listen to country music, you realize your life's not that bad after all. <laughs> it's like, I still got my dog and my pickup truck. And, and so, but one of the songs actually kind of went against the grain of, 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 uh, of this uh, depressing uh, genre of music. Apologies, Keith Urban. Uh, and, and, and I still remember it. It's the only uh, song that I remember. And uh, it goes like this. I'm not gonna sing it. I could sing it. I, I don't sing. I could, no, no, I could sing it, right? Because here's the thing about, when I sing songs, I butcher them, but country music actually comes pre-butchered. So if I sing it and you think he's butchering that, you'd be like, no, it actually sounds about right. But look, I won't. I'll recite the lyrics to this song that my dad loves so much. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a hell of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. All right, yeah. So, you know, I get it. That, that, that challenge has been handed down from my father to me. It's hard to be humble. No, I'm, okay, I'm not perfect. Let me let you in on another secret. As a leader, I make mistakes. Yeah, I know. I'm not proud of them. They're never intentional, but they happen. I do. And um, part of our code as Elevate Church is we place a high priority on building trust through open and honest communication. And within our team members, if something's not clear, we encourage them to go to the person and, and ask them, help me understand. Just tee off with that, help you understand. And so had a couple of our team members about 18 months ago come to me and say, Mark, can we have an honest and open conversation? I said, yeah, sure, sure. So we did, we sat down. And uh, I don't know what the agenda is gonna be, but it's cool, we're safe, we're building trust. And so they said, help me understand. And they questioned a decision that, that, that I'd, I'd made. And, and they said this decision that I'd made had caused them to have four sleepless nights leading up to this conversation. I'm like, oh man, wow. Okay, and they said, can you just help us understand uh, why you, you made that decision? And I said, I said this. I said, um, <clears throat> because I stuffed up. <laughs> Full stop. I'm really sorry I stuffed up. And I'm really sorry that that's affected you. And that, that breaks my heart to hear that. Would it help if I offered you an explanation? This isn't an excuse, but 
can give you some of what I was trying to achieve, which I obviously fumbled the ball with. And we had that conversation. And do you know, even though I'd stuffed up, and even though my decision and my actions had, had adversely and negatively affected those team members personally, we actually walked away from that conversation with even more trust than we did before I fumbled the ball. And that's just an example. It, by the way, I'm aware that story makes me look pretty good. I mean, it started as the villain, and you're like, yeah, stupid leader, and then I end up the hero. And it, it, I, I, it's not, it wasn't the point of the story at all. Um, but just to say, again, reinforcing that that's a value for me, integrity. And even though I'm never gonna be perfect and I'm, and I'm always gonna make mistakes, that, 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 I, that I'm gonna act as best as I know how to with integrity. What's on your list that you value? Because when you discover what you really value, you'll be less prone to settle for what you merely want. So here's the thing. We ask the question, week one, what do you want? Week two, we ask the question, what do you value? If you're a Jesus follower, you actually get a leg up. You actually get to ask an even better question. And the question is this, what does God really want? You actually get to ask that. What does God really want? Now, here's the thing. Some of you are like, yeah, 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 it's a good question, it's a good question. Some of you, when I say you can ask the question, what does God really want, are terrified at the thought of asking that question because you don't think that God really wants what you really want. That, that you, if you think God is a buzzkill God, that His character is just taking things from us and smacking us over the wrist and sending us to, off to far away countries that we hate the food and He says, go and serve me there and, and that's, that's my love for you. And, 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 and yeah, I know that you hate each other, and, and, but I want you to get married anyway because that's what I really want. And, and, and if you think that that's God's nature and character, then this question terrifies you and you'll never ask it. And I understand that. But when you start to, to chip away at those presumptions and those preconceived notions, which by the way, many of those presumptions and, pre, and preconceived notions have been actually perpetuated by people doing my job. That we've told people that God hates them and God's judging them and God doesn't like what they do and what they wear and, 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 and who they're married to and, and the job they do and, and what they do and the thoughts they have. And, 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 and so you don't ever wanna ask what God really wants because He's just gonna tell you stuff you don't wanna hear. But when you understand the nature and character of God, that God is a loving Father who wants better for His children, which, which loving fathers always do. They want better for their children. Then when you ask this question, here's what you're gonna discover. You're gonna discover that you and God actually aren't that far apart based on what you really value and what God really wants. That you actually aren't that far apart. And so it becomes an exciting question. Now, if you open, if you've got our Elevate app, you can pop that uh, open, tap the, the Bible tile. Uh, if you haven't got the Ele our Elevate app, I'd encourage you to get it, download it. Uh, you can listen to our podcasts from here. You can take me anywhere, anytime. You can turn your smartphone into a mark phone. And uh, so I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, you can give within 30 seconds on there. Anyway, look, I know, I'm surprised I haven't used that before. That's true, that, I, that just dropped. Do you like that one, Jordan? Mazungu? All right, thank you. 
Just by the way, podcast listeners, I keep referring to someone uh, as Mzungu. It's a Swahili word for white guy. Uh, I keep asking that of the blackest Kenyan man in our front row, which is kind of a little thing we got going on there. He gets called that in Kenya, by the way. <laughs> Blows my mind. <sighs> Paul, same guy that talked about the fact he doesn't understand what he does and that he, that he doesn't do the things he wants to do and does do the things that he hates to do. He actually wrote this to another church, a church in a place called Galatia. And he said this, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, this is a word picture. Maybe at first glance, it's like, but the fruit, of the, what fruit? Okay, let me break this down for you. He's, he's prefacing what he's about to say. He's prefacing, this, this is what this essentially, this, this part of what he wrote to them, this is what it means. If God had his way, if God were to override your free will and make you think, say and do exactly and only what He wanted, which He'll never do, but just if He did. If God this afternoon could take complete control of your life, then, then this, is, this is what will happen. This is before saying the fruit of the Spirit is. If God, could, if God could fully take control, this is what will happen in your life. This is the outcome. This is what it will produce. This is the fruit that will produce. He, so He starts to list the, the fruit. Hate, sorrow, Fear, frustration, meanness, badness, faithlessness, unkindness, and slavery to all known appetites. Is that what it says in the app? Is that it? Really? There's a typo in there? That, I am happy to say, is fake news. Because look at that list. Hate, sorrow, fear, frustration. This is, this is what you don't want, right? For you. If we, could, if we had taught a series of what don't you really want, this would be on the list. The good news for you is this is also what God don't really want for you and for me. All right, let's, uh, let's get this on track and talk about if God could take control of your life, He would produce in you and through you the following things. Love, joy, Peace. I could just stop there. Just those three alone would change. Just those three alone would solve ninety percent of your life's problems. Just those three. Just love, joy, peace. You could go to work tomorrow and find yourself. If God took control of your life, you could find yourself loving the the, the colleague that you don't like. You could find yourself when you go to, to, to get your takeout coffee, buying a second one for them, even though you don't like them because God's taken control and you've suddenly become generous towards them and you've started loving them. Joy. Some of you have met people who have this in, your, in their life and you think they're crackers. <laughs> you thought they were on something because you've seen what was going on in their life and it was, and it was, it was, destruction and yet they had a joy about them and you're like does not compute and peace some of you have to get a prescription for that <laughs> and unless you get that prescription and take that you 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 don't find yourself experiencing this but this this is what God really wants for us Right now, Louis and I are in the middle of uh, moving house. 
Yes, uh, and I literally mean the middle. Um, it's taking quite some time because uh, Louis drives a Vita Polo, so we can fit only two boxes in at a time. And I ride a Vespa, and so that's completely useless. Um, so yesterday we made 15 round trips uh, with two boxes at a time. And um, thankfully it's only two kilometers each way. And thankfully it was only 35 degrees. But uh, we're moving house. Some of you know the backstory, but the backstory is we put an offer on this house 20 months ago. 20 months ago, Louise said, I'm just going out to look at a house I just saw on, 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 online. Okay. And off she went, she came back and goes, let's buy it. And I go, well, okay. <laughs> so we put an offer in. I hadn't even seen the place. I hadn't even driven past it. I'm like, oh, I think I opened the app and looked at the pictures. Yeah, all right. And uh, so, so we put the offer in on that house. And, uh, but the offer on that house was subject to us selling our house. Now, if you understand anything about, and, and that house <laughs> incidentally was 800 meters away from the house that we were live, living in. And so we were, we, were, we were buying, but trying to sell at the same time in the same market. And 20 months ago, great time to buy. Everything was at a discount, terrible time to sell. And we had some people come in and make some pretty low ball offers, uh, offering us for our house far more than, uh, far less than we paid for it. And it don't work. And uh, so, so we didn't get an offer and, and time was ticking and eventually our offer then expired. And, uh, but we kept our uh, uh, home listed on the market to sell, even though if it was to sell, we wouldn't have a home to move into. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it took eight months for our house to sell. And uh, when we got an offer in on our house, we phoned the agent up, we said, uh, is that house still available? You, you can be sure we knew it was still available. We were checking every day. Still available. We'd like to put an, a, a new offer in on that house. But in that eight months, we had our finance broker working hard for us to make the numbers work. Uh, we had the agents working for us to make the deal work. Agents only get paid if they sell. Um, we had a piece. We, we, we had a piece. We couldn't control much of the outcome, but we had a piece through that whole process. Because that's what God produces in us when we yield ourselves to Him and ask Him what He really wants. Um, then, having said that, two weeks before we put our, our offer in, after eight months, two weeks before, that house had a tenant in and the seller re-signed the tenant for 12 months, two weeks before we put our offer in. Didn't tell the agent, just signed for 12 months. So, so we didn't get to move in. We had to move out of our house because it sold. And, uh, and we had to move into a rental for 10 and a half months. And so we've had to pay, you know, two times the removalists. Uh, we had to live, we, we got to the, the house that we're renting and we're like, we're just gonna leave most things packed in the boxes. So we took out six plates, <laughs> six cups, six glasses, and uh, they were on a constant rinse, repeat cycle in our, in our dishwasher. And we lived there. For 10 and a half months, it was, it's, a, it's a tiny place. Uh, I had multiple altercations with the skirting boards because, you know, you know corridors, I'm pretty sure I'm not a builder or an architect, but I'm pretty sure there's like a code, they have to be a minimum width. I think whoever designed this place we're living in didn't stick to that code because we almost have to go sideways up and down the corridor. Um, but we lived there and it's tiny and we had boxes everywhere and, and we couldn't find stuff. And we're like, oh, I just have to kind of learn to live without things. We had a joy for that 10 and a half months. 
God used that little tiny house. Many of you have been in that tiny house to see lives changed, to see relationships formed, to see prayers answered, to see miracles take place, to see food consumed in ex- excessive quantities. Uh, had, there was a joy even in the midst of not optimal circumstances. And now we're moving. We're moving. And uh, moving isn't glamorous. It really isn't. If you've ever moved or moved recently, you'll know that. It's not glamorous. Especially when it's 35 degrees and you're relying on a V-dub polo (laughs) and a Vespa. And Louis, the stronger of the two of us. Um, (laughs) Nice way of saying I'm pretty useless in this process. But we've had a a peace. We've had a patience. We, in this 10 and a half months, living in just temporary accommodations, having bought a house. Oh, you bought a house? Yeah. Do you live there? No. What? Uh, we, we, we had a friend say, oh, I couldn't do that. Couldn't, I couldn't do that. I don't have the patience for that. And I said, yeah, you could grow in that patience. I said, that's what I said. I wasn't being a smart ass. I said, you could grow. Like I, I, I probably 10 years ago wouldn't have had the patience either. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, Patience. And, and here's the thing. These things, they're not meant to just be wheeled out like the fine china when the special guests arrive. These are not just meant to be wheeled out when the special circumstances arrive. These are the everyday things. These are the going to work things that you and I can actually have flowing through us, empowered by God's Holy Spirit. These are the everyday in your marriage things. These are the everyday with your kids things. These are the everydays in your place of study things. These are the everyday, everyday things that actually, if we allow God to answer the question, what do you really want? He starts to talk about this stuff. And Paul goes on, shortly after this same letter and says, since we live by the Spirit, here it is again, since we live by the Spirit, since we're empowered by God's Holy Spirit, since we're not just saying, well, I've always been this way, or I was brought up this way, I've never been very patient, I find it difficult to love, uh, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be joyful either if you knew my circumstances. If we live by the Spirit, we don't live in denial, but we have access to something else, something extra, in our life. If, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. James, last week we talked about this word picture that, that, that we want to do certain things, but we keep getting dragged away. Instead of getting dragged away, keep in step with the Spirit. Because here's the thing. When Jesus went up to His 12 merry men, tapped them on the shoulder, He did not say to them, Obey. He did not say to them, submit. You know what he said to them? He said, come, follow me. And they went, where are we going? And he says, I'll tell you where we're going. We're going to experience love and joy and peace and patience and four other things, because there's nine, not seven. (laughs) Rochelle, Christy, thank you. Apology accepted from me to you. Back, back it up, Brando, just to that previous slide. What do you really want? What do you really value? And what does God really want? I'm gonna point you to this stuff. 
And I could point you to this stuff with an incredible level of confidence because I actually know you already value this stuff. And here's why I know that you already value this stuff. Because you want your spouse to demonstrate this stuff in your, in your marriage. You do, right? It's not a bad, it's not, not bad. I'm not saying they are, I'm just saying you want that because you value, I'm saying you, you already value this stuff. You value this stuff, parents, because you want your son to marry a girl who demonstrates this stuff in her life. You want your daughter to marry a guy who demonstrates this stuff in his life. You want to work for a boss who demonstrates this stuff in their life. You wanna work alongside colleagues who demonstrate this stuff in their life. That's how I know you already value this stuff. But here's the great news. You already value it (laughs) and so does God. And so what you really value isn't actually far apart from what God really wants. You're closer than you think. Already. You're like, oh, well, for the waste of time coming here this morning, I was already there. No, 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 no. I, you needed me to tell you and show you that. You already value that stuff. But don't just leave your values on a piece of paper. Orient yourself. I'll just finish with this. We're, Louie and I, driving back from one of our 15 box drop-offs yesterday and, and we started to get at each other. Because here's the thing, you, you hear that opposites attract, that's us. But what you don't hear people tell you full disclosure is opposites also attack. It's true. You need to know this. Some of you need to know. Some of you, some of you are in marital bliss because you married someone just like you and you share all the same interests and you have the exact same personality and, and, and you're, like, you're like clones. And, and No, where opposites attract, and, and, but, but, but here's the thing with opposites attract is, is some of the things you used to find cute in due course start to really bother you and opposites attack. But you, need, but, you, but, but, but you need to know that about it. You need to know that. And, and, and so when it starts to happen, you, c- you can actually pick up on it. So we're driving back. Louis drives. He's my Uber. Uh, Louis is driving and uh, we're moving and it's hard and, you know, and I, I was exhausted watching Louis carry all the boxes. And, um, <laughs> and we started to get at each other. We have waited 20 months to finally move into this house and we're getting at each other during the moving process. And I said, babe, I mean, it was me that was at fault, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's true, it's true. I said, let's not let anything, anything steal our joy. It's not glamorous, we're moving boxes. <sighs> Be here next week, we're gonna finish this series off and uh, I'm excited. I'm glad that you're here. I pray that it's valuable and I owe you nine minutes next week.